My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Good morning, Patriots. And today is Tuesday, February 13th in the year 2024. And I swear the time is just flying by. It, and it does feel that way. It's like we have shorter and shorter days. An hour seems any more like about 20 minutes. And I don't know if anybody else is noticing that, but it is really crazy how quickly time is moving. And I believe it's more than just a perception. I think we like to say that and people go, oh, yeah, whatever. But there is, I'm hearing this all over from people of saying how time feels like it's accelerating. And I think there's truth to that and something greater in this universe than we can totally understand. But it just is unbelievable how quickly our days go and how fast it is we move across dates. I mean, if you think about it, we're, you can almost do the math here, one, two, three, we're four months, five months past Bards Fest, which still seems like it was just the other day. We've got um, events happening so quickly, and it's even the even like your processing time in a day of going through things. I get up in the morning, prep a show, and pretty soon I look around and it's like two minutes before the show. It's just it's amazing to me. So anyway, just general perception. Not even sure what that's all about, but it is interesting for sure. Patriots, one thing for sure that is for real is debt. I hope you aren't dealing with debt problems, but if you are, we've got a really good company on board, which I'm very proud to have on. They're called Done With Debt. problem with debt is once it gets involved with your life and it becomes consuming, it separates us from our true sense of faith and the true anchor of who we are. And that is something that is 
part of the by design, unfortunately. That becomes an enslavement of our minds as much as it becomes an enslavement of our daily lives. Done with debt is your lifeline. And so Done With Debt has some new ingenious strategies to erase debt faster and easier ways than you ever thought possible. Done With Debt analyzes all the debt options you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills. They know how to cut interest rates. They have a skilled staff of negotiators that can help you get your debt out of your life permanently and without bankruptcy and without a loan. So all you have to do is go to donewithdebt.com, donewithdebt.com. They're experts and have amazing strategies that can help you move through this. And the thing is, many of these strategies are time sensitive. So head on over to donewithdebt.com, donewithdebt.com. You're not going to be disappointed. Great company and um, great offering. And you'll find all those links below the podcast. I want to start today with a piece and um, just, I think, let me start with a perspective because it's been on my mind all morning and, I, and it's just something I think we all have to start being a, be sensitive to. We're in a very much, and this is equally a personal testimony I'm giving you this morning just with some other things going on, but I think it's worth stating as we go into things. We're in a point of time where we're all being stretched in one way or another. I, I like to I, I liken it towards, if you've ever seen the way they make taffy, where you have these taffy pulling machines. And it's amazing to watch that if you've ever seen it. You start with this mound of sugar, and the more that it pulls that taffy, what you end up with is this crazy uh, product that comes out of it of being pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled. So um, that is kind of the way that where we are right now. We're all being pulled and stretched because we're being formed and transformed. There's things that we're all being put in 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 front of us, that some are big, some are small. And I will tell you personally, I mean, my own testimony is that over my life, I have a an issue that comes up when it just, it has happened because when you extend a good hand to somebody, I can't tell you how many times that there's somebody that's been taken advantage of to such a big degree that after a while you sit back and you go, okay, what is this? There's always a piece of those moments that is us and it's part of, and also of the other. And there's never one event that is all one or the other. It's always a dual thing that we share the responsibility of the transformation and the change. And unfortunately, in our walk right now, in the speed, and this goes back to the time comment at the beginning, the speed at which we as a world are being transformed in God, and as we're listening to him, people are moving at different rates. And I'm, this is, you're getting kind of the core. I won't, I'm not going to give the details of specifically what, but I'm just telling you that in my life right now, this is happening on a couple of fronts and it's, it's almost torturous. And I've been through this before because we end up having to look at ourselves very deeply. And there's an, a sense at times, which this is very much the walk in Christ of an excess burden that we have to take on because of other people's failings, especially when you're dealing with people that don't want to see their failings. And that is truly the upper hand of walking in the body of Christ because it isn't that we take on the burdens and it isn't that we are the one that has to do all the change, but we are the one that has to take the lead. And there's a big difference there. And this gets into that place of a loving, forgiving heart. Just just some words to think about this morning because this is going to increase in its, in its intensities and its in its breadth and scope in our lives. Every one of us is going to face this whether it's a family that's broken because you've got vax issues inside and you've had that rift and deep, deep hatred between siblings, which should never have happened, whether it's politics, which is unraveling around us at a phenomenal rate, whether it's the breaking of the cult of wokeism, whether it's the coming to the reality of decisions that people have made for supporting illegal immigration or taking the vax or whatever those consequences are, or even just the looking at the bare truth of whether you, someone who's been a deeply patriotic person and suddenly realizes that we've been worshiping a cesspool of corruption and, and satanic cult abuse in our nation as the root, and then struggling with how they can still love their country. All of these things, just those are just a few of many examples of the sorts of things we're coming to. Even people right now coming to the realization of personal trauma, which is huge. These are the deep roots of these things. These are traumatic and big issues. There is a caution that we always have to put out and we speak we have to speak it to ourselves which is don't take on the arrogance of being Christian 
This is a big one. I run into this, and it's probably one of my biggest triggers in my life. And I have to, and I'm honest about this. I, I'm taking this to God a lot because I'm bumping into this. And what I say by the arrogance of being Christian is, I'm Christian. I've accepted Jesus, and then there's this air that somehow I'm anointed and I'm better than you. There is nothing that gets under my skin faster than that right there because it's the lack of humility in the body of Christ. And so, I am. So I'm telling you that this this concept of and someone put this in chat, good word, self righteousness, is is just literally something that can put me vertical so fast. I mean, when I say that, like, just right at it and pinched, and then I don't see God's heart right at that moment. Okay, and that's where we have a real challenge in our lives is we have to constantly see God's heart because God knows the brokenness of all of us. And especially the brokenness, and I'm in this own testimony, he knows my brokenness very well. And many times we're put into these positions, not for them, but for us. And that's the struggle that we face is to sit in and lean into him because ultimately we can vent all day long. And when we put it into the emotions and we put it into our logic, what ends up happening is that we end up in a place where we talk ourselves into a corner and into a box. And God doesn't live in a box. And so the only way to really seek this is to step back from all of that and let it go. And the problem is, I'm just, I'll speak to myself. When I get wrapped around something, my logic brain kicks in at high speed. And I'm going to go through every single detail and I'm going to build the legal case of one way or the other of what's right and what's wrong. The problem is that that doesn't hear the heart of God. And it doesn't listen to the heart of God. It listens to the logic of the situation before us, which misses many times the depth of what God needs us to see. A great example of this is just even dealing with criminals. We like to see a very harsh and direct justice, and yet many times we have seen that, and I'll use the perfect example, Paul is cutting the heads off of Christians, is called on the road to Damascus to serve God and to serve Jesus. That's an unbelievable level, not only of anointing, but forgiveness beyond, our, beyond any of our imagination. And those are one of those examples I constantly try to throw before my own path to look at this and say, okay, what is it that I'm, I need to see in myself? I'm encouraging, I'm, this is a statement to encourage everybody to be alert to this in our own lives, not, not so much about others. We're going to bump into it and we're going to see much more of this self-righteousness pop up because as things shift... People are going to pull back to that which they know and that which keeps them safe. And keeping safe and, keep, and what they know is much, uh, most of the time a, per, a wall and a shield around them to protect and interfere. Fear is the root of many things. I've gone through this thing recently that God put on my heart a few weeks ago, but it gets back to those same things. We, we have doubt, we have shame, and we have fear. Those three pillars in our life affect us in many, many ways. And they crop up in many ways. Fear and doubt and shame, all of those at one point or another can corrupt our relationship with God's heart. And in seeing and doing that, our, what comes over our eyes, we're not able to see clearly where God needs us to see. So it only comes down to one solution at the end of the day. And as hard as it is because our minds are working overtime and I'm speaking in generalities and, and at the same time speaking of myself, assuming that other people have similar issues just from my own experience. Prayer is the only place to go. But it's more than prayer. It's prayer and meditation. Because what we tend to do, and I find myself this, when I get into a deep place of prayer, one of the places, and I've talked about this before, and it's just some methods that I've learned from warrior cultures of training in martial arts, training in, in special operations stuff, stuff you have to quiet the mind. You have to get to a place where the mind is quiet, the noise goes away, and you're focused purely on the silence and the heart of God. What does God want us to hear and see? And that's not a, that's a different form of prayer. There's the active prayer where we're going to be seeking our God's advice. We're praying into him. We're laying our heart down. We may be using scripture when you do that. And then there's this quiet meditation prayer where we're just letting God speak into our heart and we take everything out of our mind. That's one of the hardest places to go, especially when you're dealing with frustrations before you. Over this last three years, this community has given testimony to more internal sufferings and pains than I think most churches ever endure. And I truly mean this. 
because of this one, the size of this community and equally the connection that has been built through the trials of COVID and the politics of, of Trump. There had been waves of family hatred that has come through here that has broken people's hearts, jobs that have kicked people out, friend groups that have isolated, kicked people away from them because you stood on truth and righteousness. Every one of us walked that, many much more extreme than others. The testimonies I was sharing the other day, not by name, but by experience of people, and this was with another pastor friend, of people who have been kicked out of their homes by family members because of COVID, or that they were not allowed to attend Christmas or Thanksgiving because of COVID or because of politics. When I was laying this out to a pastor, there was actually some surprise because they had not seen that in their church. And it's like, well, then you've missed the big underbelly of the failure of the church in the entire nation. Churches that closed, churches that pushed people out, churches that turned on people. It's a very, it's been a very dark period in our inner family and our cultural foundation of this nation. And it's one that as we've come together here in particular, people have found a common ground to be able to share those and to heal. And we're now going to a new level to where now as we've healed from the wounds given to us, there is a tasking that I feel increasingly placed upon all of us is that we have to go back into those same places and heal the very places where they wounded us, we now have to heal them. And that's not easy. It is not easy at all because a lot of people don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't want to hear the words that we have to speak because they're so, they've built a, a righteous arrogance around their walk to think that they're above all things. They've assumed the role of teacher. They've assumed the role of dicta- dictation to other people. They've assumed the role that they are above all problems because somehow they're greater than thee. It's not that they are, and I don't know that they truly believe it in their heart, but it's a positioning that they've taken in part to protect themselves. So with that, we just have to find the words within the body of Christ and within Holy Spirit to speak those words that are of love and of forgiveness and not get racked around our own thoughts, which can be so devastating at times um, for us as we move through some of this. It's a, it's a bumpy road. And about the time, and I'm just, you know, I'll speak just to myself, about the time you think you've got yourself on a place where you're like, I've got this, something will come across your path and you jump in the middle of it and you're like, okay, I do not like that person that's coming out. That's a person that I thought I've already, that and part of my life I thought I healed and something jumps in the way and suddenly it that part that you thought you've dealt with is jumped right out in front of you again and you're like, okay, there's only one way to deal with this. Get into prayer, start praying deep, start meditating and hear the heart of God and let God do his work within us because as he, what he's trying to do right now is lift his children up into a body that we can all work together and see each other for the glory and who we are and hear each other. That's the big one. And not have an imbalance. And that's part of the challenge, especially right now, as we start to move to these higher levels of truth. And these higher levels of truth are pouring out right now. For somebody to say that they don't know what's going on or they're not awakened or that, you know, I'm going to st- still support Joe Biden or I'm going to be woke or I'm going to be a Trump, even for that matter, to be I'm going to be a diehard Trump worshiper. If you aren't looking at the broader spectrum of things and realizing the devastation, even the folks that are saying, like, we're going to a great new era, the cabal's been taken away, one of mine that drives me crazy. And it's like, that's wonderful but what about all the people that just got destroyed by the vax? And they're like, well, there has to be casualties in war. That one, that one, if you want to push my button, there's one. It's like, okay, wonderful. Glad you can be so callous to it. Have you suffered through the loss of pain and agony of what's come from this vax? And typically it's no. So, I mean, again, it's like we have to find the, the inner heart to be able to walk these people back, all of these, and and not be of, a, of an arrogance, but to be of love and say, look, we're just trying to show you something greater here. And we want to work together because we as a body of Christ have to heal. We can't just be one way or the other. So just a general perspective, a little bit of a long monologue up front, but I think these are important perspectives, especially with what I want to talk about today. Look, before we get going, I also want to mention, um, or we get going further, I should say, I want to mention another one of our great suppliers, and that is uh, My Patriot Supply. 
if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, you're, you're going to find right now they've got the four-week emergency supply kit, and it's on sale. This is a really uh, important foundation piece to have in your food supplies. We are dealing with lots of disruptions right now, lots. We have the media that's hiding stuff. We have known issues that are coming at us. We have the disruptions from around the world. We have a, a, a entire cabal of leadership that is at risk of losing everything they've ever stolen from the people, and they're in the corner, and they're using every tool possible to break the will of the people. This is a scorched earth war that we're in. So with that said, what I'm telling you is make sure you are prepared in your food supplies because food is the one of the most ancient and oldest weapons to break people's will. And that is not something that we can, we can tolerate in any way, shape or form. So what we need to do and, and what needs to be done is to literally head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, get on over there and take a look at the four week emergency food kit. And when you are there, you will uh, find a great deal. It's on sale and it's worth checking out and adding to your kit. So there you go. Preparewithbards.com. Easy. Okay. I want to play a piece here. Um, we're going to go back to the COVID nonsense and because I think it's one of these core issues that we're missing as the, how magnet, how huge this is. Not that we, I should say missing, but we, we need to keep it on the forefront because at the core of so much of what has happened here is the restructuring of our whole world based on a crime against humanity that was phenomenal. Now, there was a, there's a guy by the name of Reiner Fulmich, and he's a, uh, he's a German, and he's been leading the effort of Nuremberg 2.0. And Greg Reese has put out a report on him, which I was, it's actually a surprising report. It came in this morning, and it's powerful. And it speaks to the level of criminality in our world and how threatening this whole issue of COVID is to the elite's power structure, especially as we learn the truth and hold them accountable. So let's take a listen. It appears as if German lawyer Reiner Fulmich who recognized the COVID crimes against humanity as early as 2020, has been set up. Fulmick was spearheading a project known as the Second Nuremberg and co-founded the Corona Investigative Committee. His committee consulted about 150 scientists and experts from around the world, as well as former employees of the World Health Organization. And their findings showed them that the COVID measures were the first steps in a plan to destroy regional economies in order to make populations dependent upon global supply chains and were intended to reduce the population and install a world government under the United Nations. The Corona Committee received a lot of donations, which they believed were not safe due to the recent history of bank accounts being seized by complicit governments. One million euros in gold was purchased and put in holding. To fund operations, both Reiner Fulmich and Vivian Fisher took out secured loans. At a time of grave risk for the money in our bank account, we decided to act immediately and we took money out of that account, both she and I did, in order to save it and keep it from such an attachment so that we would be able to continue with our work because had our account been attached, our bank account been attached, we wouldn't have been able to pay for the translators, for the IT, for the management, etc., etc. Reiner's loan was for 700,000 euros and was to be repaid with the proceeds from selling his home, all documented and agreed upon by the committee. Members of the Corona Committee met with a law firm in August of 2022 and filed criminal charges against Fulmich. Committee members Justice Hoffman, Marcel Templin, and Antonia Fisher claimed that Fulmich embezzled 700,000 euros, the loan that he officially took out. They claimed he was a violent anti-Semite and that if he were given the opportunity to comment before criminal proceedings began, they would not file the complaint. Two warrants were issued for his arrest from Germany and from the EU without Reiner's knowledge. Without an international arrest warrant, German and Mexican authorities illegally abducted Fulmich at the German embassy in Mexico. 
He was then flown to the Frankfurt airport, where he was arrested and put in jail. International law experts are calling his arrest an illegal kidnapping. According to documented company plans, Fulmick's loan was to be repaid after the sale of his property. But the very same people that filed the complaint against Fulmick sabotaged this agreement. The contracts stated that the profits of the Fulmick property was to be transferred to a Fulmick account so that he could repay the loan. But the notary, who was sworn to be neutral and independent, instructed the buyers to transfer the 1.158 million euros into Marcel Templin's account, which made it impossible for Reiner to repay the loan. The loans were transparently agreed upon in written contracts. There was no secrecy, and the company was aware of the loans at all times. The evidence that proves this has been officially submitted to the court, who has chosen to ignore it and has muzzled the defense and ordered they not be allowed to mention it. The evidence shows that Hoffman, Templin, and the notary illegally obtained access to the profits of Fulmick's property. And not only is the court ignoring this evidence, they have summoned these same people as witnesses against Fulmick. The complaint states, Fulmick has also made himself liable to prosecution for embezzlement by purchasing the gold bars without the consent of the shareholders, obscuring their existence and possessing them for himself. But the purchase of the gold bars is also documented. They are in holding and can only be accessed with the signatures of both Reiner Fulmick and Vivian Fisher. This is shown in company documents, which were never given to the public prosecutor. But they have been submitted by the defense and are being ignored by the court. Furthermore, while the court froze Fulmick's accounts, they failed to freeze the 1.158 million euros in Marcel Templin's account, which is presumably still there and appears to be the payoff for this internal coup. The trial is happening now in Germany, and the plaintiff's sloppy accusations are beginning to fall apart. One reporter at the trial said, The case was totally destroyed, and one could only sit there in amazement. A journalist from Biddle TV said that Reiner will not only be released, but also compensated. The people who did this to him, in my opinion, will be charged themselves. It is beginning to appear as if justice may finally be served. In collaboration with Celia Farber of The Truth Barrier, this is Greg Reese. So this is yet another one of these cases of woke and activist people, probably intelligence operatives, steering a system to try to hide one of the greatest crimes in humanity. We have one active here, and we should keep that on the forefront, which is the Declaration of Military Accountability. That has the same magnitude. And you're seeing that the, the issue at hand is people's criminality in this is massive. The corona COVID nonsense, this whole COVID and COVID cult that evolved out of it, and the compliance which people have willfully, willfully been part of was a crime against humanity. We know that, but it needs to be restated with emphasis as to the magnitude and scope of what we're talking about. This is an interesting perspective that comes from uh, Clandestine. He runs an account. It's bio-clandestine. And they, he's been doing a constant following of the war in Ukraine. And I agree with this perspective. And what he writes is, the Senate is trying to send another $60 billion to Ukraine and make it illegal for the incoming Trump administration to stop funding Ukraine, which we're going to talk about more in a second. This is crazy, but it confirms how desperate the establishment are. They know if Ukraine falls, they are screwed. Their only hope of survival is defeating Russia and replacing Putin because Putin and his military have been calling for the heads of the U.S. oligarchs responsible for bioweapon production in Ukraine. If Ukraine falls and Trump wins, they could face capital punishment via crimes against humanity. That's what's on the line here. That's why there is so much desperation. It's life and death. Extremely important last words. What we are witnessing in all of these people playing out these parts, which I do find interesting because if you notice, the number of people we're actually seeing in the news these days re related to Congress is very few. We have the key spokesmen that are playing their roles. But on a global level, these people 
or on a holistic level of everybody that's in Congress, we don't see everybody, which I always note is interesting because we it's typically the same talking heads and as if we're supposed to take that as a proof positive that everybody's up there. D.C. still is very suspect as far as its true activity. It's a, it is a city that by, by research has shown that the corporation of the United States is bankrupt. And so it's a, it's a last dying effort by a dying regime to hang on to power because they also still control the voice of the media. And the mainstream media still has a significant clutch hold on American minds. Nonetheless, the Ukraine issue, it is, it is dying off. Their desperation as Russia has pushed in and destroyed their power base, and it is a big one, is historical, it is righteously historical, and it is a place where in that whole moment over there, they are losing a power base that they need to control the world. With that are the bioweapons labs, which there was, I think, 22 in Ukraine, one of which had the name in it, China, like, like Trump would say. All indications are that the bioweapon that was deployed on the United States and its people was originated from Ukraine. We have the issue that every congressman that voted for that in any way, shape, or form is now complicit in a crime against humanity. And I go back to the Declaration of Military Accountability. Every single general officer, I cannot stress that enough, every single person of 07 and above rank, meaning they carry one star, two star, three stars, or four stars, I don't care if they're a general or an admiral, Every single one of them at this date has been complicit in an illegal order to mandate the, the shot against his soldiers and to maim and kill many of our own soldiers. That's not only a crime against humanity, it's treason. In our own government, if they've signed an oath, it's also treason, not just crime against humanity. And then that doesn't even get to the people that are sitting here on the border complying to rules and not ab abiding by the Constitution. The lesson of accountability that's rolling into America is huge. And, and one way or another, whether it's by form of government or by form of, of the people, whatever happens here, or even by some sort of a coup d'etat that eventually evolves out of this to topple this regime, every single person in the government that is non-compliant to the Constitution will be held accountable. It has to be this way. Because if we can't reset to that level of accountability, we will never reset this nation. And that means that ultimately there is a harsh hand of justice that will fall. The challenge is this, and it relates back to what I've said at the very beginning of this, of getting ourselves positioned and what I truly believe God is doing to position us in our hearts for this coming time. We cannot walk this path with vengeance. If we dare walk this path with vengeance, we will find ourselves in one of the worst positions we have ever been in because we will seek to extol pain on people for unjust reasons. We go back to the Civil War, and we go back to the period of, of restoration following the Civil War, and what happened there was vengeance. It was used as a tool following Lincoln to suppress the South and to punish them for daring to take a stand against the Federalist North. We like to focus on slavery as the issue of the South. It never was. That whole issue at the core of that was pitted against slavery was used as the, the glaze on top of everything. Economically, we can prove that slavery was on a decline. It was becoming unaffordable and unsustainable. But what was really at the core of so much of that was the challenge between states' rights and federalist power. And those two things fused off. And so we ended up with a southern part of the world, our southern states, that were punished for challenging federalist power. We're getting here again, and it's a point where the federal government has become so powerful and so overreaching and overbearing on all things that it has corrupted us down to our county and city levels. All of that has to be pushed back. We're going to be able to push it back at a county level. We're going to have to work together at those levels, and none of this is going to happen quickly. But we, in, in any event, we have to go through a place where we are following the rule of law, and it's really a rule of law set in common law, set in the will of the people, not the heart of a vengeful nation. Very important piece. I want you to, I'm going to play this piece. It's about seven minutes, but it's by Tucker Carlson. I think it does an excellent job of looking at Ukraine and some of the things ahead. And here's what's interesting, and I want you to take note of this. There is a senator now that he's going to interview who has stood against the funding for Ukraine. Now, if we, if if you've been listening and part of what we've been doing in the last couple of weeks, we've been we've prayed against and and in in the spirit 
we have defeated the principality, the spiritual principality that was holding over Ohio. Just to give you a quick recap, that started now would be two, almost three weeks ago, where we prayed against what was seen in the spirit as a massive serpent, including people's hearts that were infected with baby serpents, and all of this was destroyed and literally put to the lake of fire. Following that, we had a representative running in one of the districts in Ohio who came forward last week and said that at risk of going to jail, he had to tell the truth, and even at risk of losing his campaign. That truth was that he had been an FBI infiltrator for the purpose of creating hatred and agitation within groups, and that was the same group of people that they had launched in J6, So, and he had documentation. Now you're going to hear from a senator in Ohio that is now standing against the Ukraine funding. The first one I've heard of that's now talking to Tucker Carlson. This is a big indicator that we have been very successful in neutralizing the principality in the spiritual principality in Ohio, and we need to be able to continue to move forward and take these on with each state, and we will. So let me play this for you um, from with Tucker Carlson. It became very clear to anyone paying attention several months ago that Ukraine cannot win its war against Russia. The Ukrainian military will not be able, even with Western backing hundreds of billions of dollars of it, to expel the Russian military from parts of eastern Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't have the industrial capacity, neither does NATO or the United States, and it doesn't have the people. Russia has 100 million more in population than Ukraine does. And that means that further support from the West for the Ukrainian military only means more dead Ukrainians and a further degraded Western economy in the U.S. and in Germany particularly. So it's not simply a fool's errand, it's self-destruction. It's insane, it's cruel, it's abetting the killing of an entire generation of Ukrainians. This is very obvious, no honest person at this point will deny it. And yet somehow the United States Senate, which is always several years behind reality and its perceptions just a few weeks ago, decided to send another $60 billion to the Ukrainian government, which is both corrupt and authoritarian. They've canceled elections, they banned an entire Christian denomination, and then they killed an American journalist for noting any of this. And yet, the United States Senate proposed, under Mitch McConnell, a plan to send another $60 billion to Ukraine. Well, imagine the surprise of all rational people around the world to wake up this morning and discover this could actually happen. And so with that in mind, we thought it'd be worth talking to one of the very few Republican senators who's bothered to make the counter case. And that would be J.D. Vance of Ohio, who joins us now from the United States. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. If you wouldn't mind telling us where this legislation is right now, what you expect to happen and what you think should happen. Yeah, Tucker, so there are two big things that will happen here. So tonight we will clear a major procedural vote or we won't. So this is really the best opportunity tonight to kill this legislation. Encourage everybody to do everything that they can, contact everyone they can to ensure that we actually do kill the legislation. It is very close. Uh, The Democrats have banded together with 17 Republicans. We only need eight of those Republicans to flip their vote to kill this thing. And I think that we'll get at least one uh, who will, in fact, flip their vote. So that, that, that's where it sits in the Senate. The second thing, and frankly, the best opportunity we have to kill this is in the House. Uh, and that's part of what I'm trying to do is notify people about how bad this legislation is so that after it clears the Senate, if it does, then it goes to the House and the House has a real opportunity to at least make it better, uh, but hopefully kill it. And I want to say just just a couple of things here, Tucker, that are extremely important to know about this legislation. Number one is that it sends $61 billion to Ukraine to fund, as you said, a hopeless war in Eastern Europe that will decimate the Ukrainian population even more than it's already been decimated. So it's a terrible, terrible piece of legislation on the policy. The second thing I want to say, Tucker, though, is that it doesn't just fund Ukraine in 2024. And this is the most important point. It actually funds Ukraine in 25 and 26. Now, what's the problem with that? Say, for example, that we have a new president in 2025. That president would be handcuffed by the promises that we are making in law to Ukraine today. If you go back to to 2019, Tucker, to try to give you a sense of why this matters. In 2019, the U.S. House impeached then-President Donald Trump on the theory that they had appropriated money to Ukraine and Donald Trump refused to send it to Ukraine. 
So if Trump is elected president again and become president on January of 2025, he will conduct diplomacy. And if that diplomacy does not include sending additional billions to Ukraine, there is a theoretical argument, a predicate, if you will, for impeaching Donald Trump because they have tried to tie his hands. And the final point I'll make on this, Tucker, is that the Washington Post has already has already said, based on leaks from inside the intel community, the purpose of this legislation is to tie a future President Trump's hands. We're not just sending billions to Ukraine in 2024. We're trying to make it impossible for the next president to conduct diplomacy on his terms. It's anti-democratic, and it will lead to endless war in the, all over the world. So uh, the political calculation behind this seems incredibly dark. So does the humanitarian effect. I noticed that no one on Capitol Hill seems interested in finding out how many have died in this war. Reliable estimates in the area, these are not partisan, uh, are that about 400,000 Ukrainians have died. That's about as many Americans as died in the entire Second World War over the entire duration. And it's, of course, a much smaller country. So how do senators, Republican senators, get away with saying we're doing this on behalf of the Ukrainian people, on behalf of democracy, when it's destroying an entire generation and it's not a democracy? Like, what's the thinking here? Well, Tucker, they bought into the propaganda that what is in the best interest of Ukraine is to prolong this war. And so Zelensky comes to Washington. You know, he's tougher than a lot of them are. And I think they get, uh, you know, a, a little bit of excitement from that. And Zelensky tells them a story that his war is in the best interest of the whole of Ukraine. Now, never mind that there are people within Ukraine protesting the draft. Never mind that the average age of a soldier there is pushing 45 years old. And never mind that the 650,000 wealthiest Ukrainians left the country at the beginning of the war. Uh, they didn't stay and fight. So the idea that this is unanimously supported by the Ukrainian population is, of course, preposterous and absurd. No one believes it. But, but here's, here's the really crazy, and I, and I think ultimately the very cynical thing that's going on, Tucker, is that everyone knows that this war will lead to the destruction of Ukraine. I've had conversations with Democratic colleagues where they get this sort of dark look in their eyes and they say effectively that they want to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian drop of blood. I, I, I think if you really ask these guys, they recognize that this is not in the best interest of Ukraine. Uh, this is fundamentally in the interests of military contractors and people who think that America's most pressing challenge is to defeat the Russians. Of course, that's not a preoccupation that I share. I don't think Russia should have invaded Tucker, but I also think that we got to be much more focused on more pressing problems like the demographic collapse of the United States, like the open borders, and like that's what's right. going on in East Asia. So it's a massive campaign, Tucker, to distract people from the real problems in the world and the real problems that exist in this country. And underlying it all, as you just said, is, is an impulse that's, that's indefensible and I think deeply immoral. Um, so I, I'm so grateful for you having the courage to talk about this in public, and I, and I hope common sense in your position prevails. Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio, thank you. And that's from Ohio again. And I don't want to, I really don't want it missed that of how much spiritual work has been going on up there, including years of work by the resistance chicks doing much the same thing and try to breaking down principalities. This is a huge issue, and we start to see the breaking of those. We start to see the truth coming out of people's hearts and people pivoting from where they were to the truth of where they need to be. So this is now two different people, one a congressional rep running for office and now a senator, who are now coming out and speaking truth to the darker side of what's actually going on up in D.C. Very, very powerful, and we have to continue to pray for that. With that, as well as Kevin and Christine Taylor that have been working up there aggressively in East Palestine, and they've had some big breakthroughs now of getting people to mobilize and come into stopping one of the incinerator plants up there. So this is, we're seeing some big shifts in what is a very pivotal state, and we have to continue the war there and continue to expand out this war in the spiritual plane of what we're doing, because what happens in the spirit literally manifests in the flesh. But all of this is coming down to a huge moment of accountability for this nation. The core of much of this has been the military-industrial complex, which has been an engine behind all of this. When we talk about bioweapons labs in, in Ukraine, it may be a medical industry. It's nonetheless an extension of the military-industrial industrial complex being funded through Department of Defense money. The lies that come out of our government are unbelievable. 
And it's the lies that we have to do this because we are doing this in the defense of peace. We are building these capabilities because someone else is doing it to us. This sort of back and forth is an escalation mentality that has been part of our culture and allowed us to walk deeper and deeper into these traps of hatred for one another. We don't see someone who's from Russia, from China, from uh, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Afghanistan without seeing hatred in our hearts. And that's not the truth. Part of the reason the other night, uh, and this was last week of bringing on Mohammed Safi, which is in his nick, in English nickname is Sammy, that was uh, Corey Terry's interpreter, is to give you the heart of somebody who's truly American, loves this nation, who is Muslim. And he doesn't hate people here. He will fight side by side to save this nation. We have to get back to weaving the full body of what we were intended to do. And these people that are pulling these strings are instrumental in creating division and hatred. So back to the, the where we begin today. We are all going to be tested. Our hearts are going to be pulled and turned and needed. And God is doing this as we are being pulled like taffy at this moment because he's speaking into his children, which in one way or another are those that are listening to him and in the end of the day become what we would collectively call the remnant. Much of Bard's nation is part of that, if not all. Resistance Nation, the same thing. We have that same thing coming out of the Church of Glad Tidings. We have these, these groups around the nation, many of them that God is lifting up, not one, but many. What Pete Chambers is doing on the border, what Pastor Rod Parker is doing down on the border, these things again and again are lifting us up in such a way that we're starting to see that the body of Christ is awakening. In, in perspective to 330 million people, I would say it's few, but God doesn't need the many. He needs the true in heart. But all of us are being pulled and all of us are being awakened to a greater responsibility we have, which isn't to love so much that you bend like a reed and snap, but rather to love with the authority of kingdom so that we overcome the evil and we start to see that those that, are, that we're speaking into just need to be guided to the right place. It isn't a position of arrogance, and this is the very fine line, and this is where this self-righteousness comes in, is when we take that step in the wrong way. We start to see that we are superior to others. We have to have compassion, as Christ did, for the most meek. And I always use this as a metaphor, which I think we should always use, is Christ sat with taxpayers, with tax collectors and prostitutes. Those that were most despised to society, he took time to speak to them. And he didn't speak to them with the overbearing arrogance that I am God's son and you shall listen. It wasn't that. He sat there with compassion in his heart and in many ways saw something in them that everyone else was missing. So we have to find that place. And it's the place of understanding that we are all being called and we're called to do something very important. But in the, in, in the kingdom, we're all equal. And that's such a difficult place to walk, especially when we feel the, the torment of a, of a system that's tearing things apart, ripping from us the truths that we thought existed. We're all finding ourselves have to, having to renegotiate and navigate the very relationships to the world that we had that we grew up with. If you have any doubt about that, sit down with somebody, an elderly person who's starting to awaken who has an, is aware of the things going on and talk to them about how they saw the world when they grew up and where they're seeing the world now and realize that they have years and years of formation that is just literally being shredded around them. Some people are getting tired. They just want to go, as they would say, go home, go back to, to heaven. There, Other people are stepping into that saying, you know, I just hope that I can see something, the truth's coming out of this. Some have become depressed and, and, and isolated. It's a tremendous torque that's happening on all of us, every one of us. We're seeing youth suicides that are accelerating. All of these things are happening because ultimately we have to get people back to a center point of scriptural foundation, a love in Jesus to know that no matter what happens, if we keep our eyes on Christ, no matter how the storm hits, that ship's keel will stay anchored down and the ship won't flip. And so really in the greater part of all of this, we have to take, take a step back take time, and I say this truthfully, take time to take a, take a step back from the crazy noise and confusion. Take a day at some point and just shut things off. Regardless of what you have, nothing is that important that you can't take a step back and say, okay, Lord, I need to spend some time with you. And then take an intentional amount of time to sit quiet. And I really encourage you to do this. Sit quiet. Don't have your voice going. Quiet your voice, go to what I what is called quiet mind, and let God speak to you. 
take everything out of your heart, take everything out of your thoughts. Just sit quiet and let your heart receive what God wants to wants you to hear. No prayer, nothing, just quiet in the moment. And you'd be amazed at how much and how powerful that is in our lives. We need to really listen to the voice of God right now. And it's the only way forward here because it's the only truth that we're going to be able to find anchor and hope in. And as we do that, and we truly sit solid in that space, we will find ourselves going through this storm in a beautiful way. And and I say beautiful way, to be able to appreciate the glory of the storm as it tries to flip the ship and our ship won't, when our ship won't flip. It's kind of a last thoughts on this. One of the greatest times in the winter in Oregon is to go to the coast in the middle of winter storms. It truly is amazing. We used to do this a lot when I was in college years and years ago. We'd go over and we'd just jump in, the, in a storm. We'd just jump at night and drive right to the coast. We were an hour away. And it's to stand there in the middle of that storm and literally feel the winds that were so strong at times that you could lean into them, like lean almost two or three feet forward into them, and the winds would hold you up. The waves crashing around, the storm pelting out down on top of you, the rain blowing into your face, soaking you from head to toe. And yet there was so much peace in those moments when you could appreciate the glory and the magnificent power of what that storm was. That's where we are right now. And that ability for us to anchor our feet truly and lean into this wind of the storm, knowing that we are walking firmly on the rock of of faith and we have Jesus in our heart, it gives us a calmness in the midst of this, not an arrogance, but a calmness. Because one of those realities that you sit when when you're in, when you're leaning into those winds on those crashing storms, the reality is that things can change in an instant. The wind can change. You could fall. There can be a sneaker wave. But you're trusting truly in your faith in that moment that all will be okay. And in knowing that in your heart, it's simply a humble place to be in God's hand. And in that walk, the righteousness of the Holy Spirit comes through us, which is what we need to engage this world now and to be able to come to this world, letting them see through us the true strength and glory of Christ, not the failings of our own mortal hearts. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you today for all that we are and all that you've allowed us to be. And in this very difficult time and challenging time that we're in, we are, we are here now in a place where we're just sitting quiet and listening to what you need to put on our hearts. Father, this is a, this is a very difficult time for everyone at one point or another. Everyone is being pushed and turned and twisted. We're like taffy on a taffy-making machine. And we're feeling that stretching going on as you stretch us to be bigger in you. And it's happening quickly if we're willing to receive it. So my prayer today for everyone, including myself, is that we can be willing to receive it. That our hearts will put down the barriers that we will let go of these sorts of heavy things or or wounds of the past. Whatever has come up in these places that we can now face you and face this storm with you. So that we can embrace all that you're putting in us so that we can be greater in the body of Christ as we walk in this world. It isn't about us being better or superior or special. It's about us truly being just filled truly with all that you have to offer so that we can be with you and you can be with us in these moments. That's the balance of things. That's the unity of things. That's the place of being where we simply are. And we don't have to define that by something, some special title or some special calling out of, I have special anointings or whatever, we simply are. And whatever gifts you place within us, allow those gifts to truly be maximized in this hour so that we can be in that world of the fivefold ministry. To literally bring that to life as through the apostolic, the prophetic, the healing, and the deliverance, and the raising of the dead. And with that, Father, let us always push the gospel of Jesus Christ. In closing, Father, we just pray a continuous prayer that we've had that in a moment in time, may this storm be a storm of heaven. May this storm be a profound storm of a witness that every person in this world at the, at the same time, no matter waking or asleep, have an experience and encounter with Jesus, a presence of knowing who he is to break this programming that the Kabbalah placed upon people and to give people truly in their hearts a choice of whom they will serve, not with these deceptions and the hatred that have been pumped down into people's hearts 
but rather with the purity and glory and love and compassion and strength of the warrior Christ that he is as our king. Let all have that moment of experience in a single moment that we can all have that to make a choice truly of whom we serve. Father, we ask that you'll guide us in these hours, protect us, continue to lead us with the discernment and the hearts truly of you in all things. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Patriots, spend some time today. Spend some time in, in, in our walk with God. Spend some time in humbleness with God. Spend some time as we go in the quietness of God's heart. Let him speak to you. See where he takes you. This is really an amazing time, and there's a lot truly to lean into and be thankful for and to experience in the middle of this storm. It's going to get a little bit rocky, probably get more so as we go forward. Not probably. It will, but it will be glorious either way. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost.
but we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs>